Hello, you're listening to Dr. Baz of Grace Life Church in Naples, Florida. Thank you for joining us as we open God's Word. And may God's Spirit speak a personal word to you through it. From John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, let me repeat that. Jesus says, apart from him, we can do nothing. Now, let's remember that if Jesus said this to the apostles, how much more is this true of us? About 400 years after Christ, a fellow by the name of Pelagius came along, and he, he preached that man is basically good. And because he's basically good, he could and would choose God if he or she chose to do so. Um, in the late 1500s, Jacob Arminius, he realized that, that, of course, man is totally incapable of choosing Christ because he could see the many verses in the scriptures that boldly proclaim that truth. However, he got around that truth by saying that God's grace had appeared to every man and every woman and had brought them up to the place where, left to themselves, they could choose Christ if they so desired. They could choose to serve God, to pursue holiness. It, it, the choice was theirs, and they were able to do so. But our text is not a text where Jesus said such a thing. In fact, he does not say, apart from me, you could do all that. He doesn't say, apart from me, you could do a few things. He says you can do nothing. Well, if you can do nothing, that means you couldn't seek God, which, of course, Romans 3.11 assures us that you could not. Uh, you couldn't desire God. Romans 8.7 assures us that that is also true. And you couldn't, out of your own loins, produce one holy thought or aspiration. Remember the Apostle Paul said that in my flesh there is no good thing. But we also have to know that after we're converted, we can't do anything for the kingdom of God without Jesus either. You look at the Apostle Peter in his own strength, he's denying Jesus three times in front of a little servant girl. With Jesus, he can walk on water. The difference is stark. This is the difference for us as well. John Newton said, The grace of God is as necessary to create a right temper in Christians after breaking a china plate as after the death of an only son. Remember after Joshua, uh, following God's uh, exact plan, he destroyed the entire major city of Jericho, and then he faced this small little village called Ai, and thinking that he didn't need to consult God, he attacked it. Joshua 7, 5 says, They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of Israel melted and became like water. You know, I, I need you, God, for the, for the big things in my life, but this is just a little thing so I can handle it. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10, Paul writes this very familiar passage. God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, and my power is made perfect in your weakness. 
Therefore, Paul goes on to say, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, because when I am weak, that is when I am strong. That is in the Lord. If you ever want to know why it is that the Apostle Paul was such a strong believer, it was because he was so aware of how weak he was in himself. That's the simple truth. Now, Spurgeon was preaching on that same passage in 2 Corinthians, and he said, Our strength is not only weakness, but perfect weakness. Weakness even in little things. Weakness for ounces as truly as for tons. Weakness in drops of grief as well as in seas of sorrow. Weakness for splinters of trial as well as for the terrible darts of the evil one. Lovely put. Now, at some point, uh, we'll point out verses like Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, which tells us to continually work out your salvation with fear and trembling because it is God who works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. And they will, they will assert that, okay, God has to start the good work, but you then clearly have the power to continue the good work. Well, we don't because in John 3.16, Jesus says the flesh gives birth to flesh. That's, that's all it can do can't do anything spiritual at all. God's spirit is always required to enable us to please God. We need him every minute, every hour. Now, there are some verses that, of course, appear to teach that there's lots that we can do all on our own, but they don't. Uh, for example, Hebrews 12.1 says, let us run the race before us. But Hebrews 12.2 tells us the only way that can be done is by fixing our eyes on Jesus. That is, looking away from ourselves and our ability and our wisdom entirely to his wisdom and to his strength. In 1 Corinthians 15, 11, Paul said, I worked harder than all the other apostles. Now, but you see, in the verse before, he says, but it is by the grace of God that I am what I am. Second uh, Thessalonians 3.10 says, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. So it looks like it's all up to us. And yet the Lord teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing, nothing at all. So the truth is, without Jesus, we, we, we just can't do anything for the kingdom of God. And as we indicated, neither could the apostles. In Acts chapter 3, verse 12, Peter says to the crowd, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or, or godliness we made this man to walk? They had no power in themselves, and, and they knew it. And in our power, we have no power in ourselves to live for God. In your own power, you know, you, you couldn't even exercise faith in God. Uh, that's because 1 Corinthians 2.5 says, Your faith does not rest in men's wisdom, but on God's power. Well, consequently, if, if in my own power I can't even exercise faith in God, certainly in my own power I cannot live above my trials. In Romans 15, 13, Paul prayed, that, you, and he's praying to a, a people that are being persecuted. He says that, that you may abound in hope that is in your trials through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Nyla and Marco have just come back from uh, the memorial service uh, for the daughter of, of her dear friend and bridesmaid, Lisa, and her husband, Steve, who are reformed Christians, have been, as long as Nyla has, has known them, uh, they have four children, and the third one, 10 days ago, died of a drug overdose. That's three kids they've lost of a drive, of a, for a drug overdose. They have only one child left. And Nyla writes and says that Steve got up and spoke, <clears throat> and it, it was as though heaven came down. And I'm, I'm going to try to put that... Uh, speech which is online um, and make it available for everybody. But, but talk about living above your trials. You've lost three of your four children, and yet you can speak faith to those that are there. In your own power, you couldn't do that because you can't exercise faith in God. So you can't live above your trials. You, you could never stand firm in your faith. In Romans 16, 25, Paul says, Now to him, Jesus, who alone is able to establish you. You, you know, how could you ever know the love of God? Could you do that in your own power? You, you couldn't. In Ephesians 3, 18, Paul prays to God and says, You, the believer, he prays that you, the believer, may have power that is from God together with all the saints to comprehend the love of God. And then what about what Jesus says in, in John 17, where he's speaking to the Father, and he said, I have revealed, I've revealed you to them, and I will continue to reveal you to them so that the love that you've got for me will be in them and I in them. It, it's, it's all God. It, it's, it, it's all God. In, in your power, you, you can't serve God. Can't live above your trials. You can't stand firm in the faith. You'd never know the love of God. And you couldn't serve the God. Well, first of all, you wouldn't have the gifts to serve God. And, and, and Romans 12, 11 says that the Holy Spirit gives each gift as he determines. Uh, well, secondly, not only that, but, but if you did have the gifts, you wouldn't have the inclination to serve God because we're told that, that, that it is the Spirit of God that works in us both to will, to want to, and to do of his good pleasure. And then even if you wanted to, you wouldn't succeed in anything that God asked you to do without him. In Ephesians 3, 7, Paul says, I was made a minister by the effectual working of his power. In 2 Corinthians 3, 5, he puts it this way. He says, our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant. See, you notice that the, the the entire Christian life requires that we lean on Jesus for all things. And you've got that passage in Luke 16, verse 10, that says, if you could be trusted in a little, then you can be trusted in much. But if you can't be trusted in much, if you're dishonest, unfaithful in a little, you'll be dishonest with much. And, 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 and that's telling us, if, if, if I can't be trusted to lean on God's strength and his wisdom in the little things, don't count on it that I'm going to be doing that when things get really tough. I'll just be running around not behaving like Jesus at all. Do you know that even the Lord Jesus Christ, while he was on earth, he, he, he didn't do anything in his own power. 
In Acts 10, 38, it says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Well, what did he have to do that for? What did he need that power for? It says, and he went about, that is in, in the strength of that power, doing good and healing all those who are under the power of the devil. You think about it, what we're doing is we're not just doing good things. We're, we're, we're engaged in a process of delivering people from the power of the devil. You can't do that in your own power. You can't do that. And, and as if to repeat the thought, it says he went about doing good and healing those who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. God's power was constantly available for him. So let's say it again. The whole secret of the Christian life is to walk with God and to do everything saying, Lord, I need you for this. I need just strength and I need your wisdom, even the little things. Why? Because he says, without me, you could do nothing. In John 6, 57, Jesus said, I live because of the Father. 2 Corinthians 13, 4 says, yet Jesus lives by God's power. Likewise, we are weak in him, and yet by God's power, we live with him. So, Let's repeat ourselves again. If Jesus lived entirely by God's power, how much more do we need to live by God's power in order to serve God? Now, we not only need to lean on Jesus for his wisdom and his strength in order to serve God, we actually have in, on our own no power to do anything at all. I don't know if you ever thought about that. In Matthew 5, 36, Jesus said, you don't have the power to make one of your hairs white or black. And, and that's true. We've got no power over ourselves. If you look at your character warts and you look at the times when you malfunction, when certain things, events collide, and you always malfunction there. You, re, re, it, you try not to. You can't do it in your power. You have no power over yourself. Jesus said to Pilate as Pilate was going about his his business as he was exercising his duties, Jesus said to him, you'd have no power at all whatsoever unless it was given to you from above. And you and I certainly have no power to even exercise our, our daily duties. We, we don't actually have the power to decide where I want to go for lunch, where I want to live. You think you do, but you don't. Acts 17, 27 says, God determined the time set for each person and he determines the exact places where they should live. Within that jurisdiction, you're free to choose where you want to go. <laughs> Proverbs 69, we've quoted this a few times, in his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. We're, running, we're trying to find some place I can use my power and my authority. Uh, 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 well, okay, uh, I, I, I can determine whether I'm going to be successful in life, whether I'll be wealthy. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And, and in fact, you know, there's that great passage over there in Ecclesiastes 5.19 that says that God not only determines whether how wealthy you will be, but he determines if he lets you be wealthy, as to whether you will enjoy it or not, <laughs> or how much you get to enjoy it. Uh, it. The truth is, you don't have the power to take your next breath without God. 
And we know that because Daniel 5.23 says, He is the God in whose hand our breath is. Philippians 2.10 and 11 says that one day at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. He's, he's the Lord. Lord of what? Daniel 5.23 says he's the Lord of heaven, and Joshua 3.11 says he's the Lord of all the earth. Jesus is not exaggerating when he says, without me, you can actually do nothing at all. So the question is then, if this is sort of fashioning itself into our hearts, that we won't want to ask the question, well, how do we get a hold of his power? Well, first of all, we have to look at it theologically, and then in a minute we'll look at it practically. First thing I need to know theologically is as a believer, I already have God's power available to me. Matthew 28, 18 says, Then Jesus came and said, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Notice it's, it's one that he was given. He got it from the Father. Uh, Therefore, go, that is, go in my power and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And, and then... Uh, in order to remind them again that you have to go in his power, he's, he adds, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus didn't give us a commission and then leave us to it. He goes with us because we always need to be leaning upon him to receive the power that we need. 2 Timothy 4.17, Paul says, And the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be proclaimed to all the Gentiles, that they might hear it. So he was leaning on this Jesus. He was always conscious of the fact that he was, he was right near him. And he's leaning on him for strength to proclaim the message. You remember in Matthew 10.1, Jesus sends out the 12 on a mission. And it says he called his 12 disciples to... To him, and he gave them power to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And this is an important thing to, to remember that God will never send you on a single task. He'll never ask you to do anything that he doesn't make available the power for you to do it. In Acts chapter 1 8, Jesus said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. When is that? when do I get this power? Ephesians 1.13 says, Having believed, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Spirit when you believed. So as a believer, you already have the power available to you. Okay, so you receive that power when you believed, and it's now available to you, but you retrieve that power as you believe, when you exercise faith in Jesus. Ephesians 1.19 talks about his incredibly great power for us who believe. And that's not talking about who are believers. Who are, it means who are exercising faith in Jesus. Remember in John chapter 5, Jesus, he turns to a man who has been an invalid for 38 years, and he says to him, pick up your mat and walk. Well, a man could have easily said, well, I'm crippled. I can't do that. Uh, but you know what? If you give me the power first, if you heal me, then I'll do it. 
But it wasn't that way, was it? It was when the man in faith did what in his own power he could not do that God gave him the power. And, and that's the way it's going to work with us. God will ask you to do a lot of things that you think, I, I can't do that. But in faith, you go do what in your power you cannot do, and he will give you the accompanying power. You ever wondered how Paul could do all that he did for Paul, uh, for, for God? Uh, in Colossians 1.29, Paul talks about Christ who so powerfully works in me. He was never in doubt that it, it wasn't his strength. It was God's. Psalm 68 verse 35 says, The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. So if, you, if, if it helps in a silly rhyme, the power is received when you believed. The power is retrieved as you believe. <laughs> so it's received and retrieved as you cleave to Jesus. That is a bit silly. but um, And why is that true? Because without me, you can do nothing. So I feel like I could do a lot for God on my own. I mean, uh, how much power does one need to, to actually accomplish anything for God? Um, what kind of power are we accessing in order to live the Christian life? Ephesians 1.18 says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart that means you'll be able to see this because you're never going to see this unless God opens his eyes to, so you see it, but you need to see it. That the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order, in order that you may know the incomparable great power for us who believe that power is like, that means the same as the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. It's resurrection power. This is a, the level of power that the, God wants you to know is, is be available to you, which you are going to need to serve God and to live for God is the, is the level of power that would raise somebody from the dead because that's actually what he's doing with you. That's why Paul stated that his life's mission in Philippians 3 was that I might know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Wow, is this... Is this power, as so many preachers have been telling me, is this so that I can experience earthly success in life? Uh, no. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. It's the power to die to yourself. It's the power to, to, to part with any confidence in your own strength so that you can live for Christ, in his power, whatever the cost. That's the level of power that you, you need. If, you, if you're going to live the Christian life, you know how many times it's been said, there's a price to be paid. You've got to part with your sins. You've got to forfeit the acclaim of the world. This requires supernatural power. I was reading this week about Herbert Jackson, I don't know if you know Herbert Jackson, but when Herbert Jackson was first assigned as a missionary, he was assigned a car that wouldn't start. So for two years, if you can believe this, in order to get his car to start, he either parked it on a hill or he left the car running or, or he just had to round up people to push him. 
until it started. Well, so when he left the missionary, he told his replacement how to start the car. You got to do it one of these three ways. Well, it turned out that the new missionary knew a thing about cars. He looked under the hood and he tightened a loose wire and it started. And he told Herbert, he said, the power was there all along. You just weren't connected. And dear old Herbert Jackson immediately knew that God was talking to him and not about his car. Everything that God wants you to do and everything that God wants you to be is going to require that you completely go to God and say, give me the wisdom, give me the power, lead on me. I can't do this without you. Doesn't matter how little the thing is, doesn't matter how large. Second Peter 1.3 says, his divine power has given us everything we need for a life of godliness. And so it is only as we, through faith and prayer, access this power that we can live the Christian life, that we can actually distinguish ourselves from the spiritually dead person in the pew who just goes out of habit, who 2 Timothy 3.5 describes as having a form of godliness without the power. Well, not only is this the evidence, the display of this power that distinguishes us from, from just a spiritually dead person, but it's only through the demonstration of this power and the use of it that we actually end up glorifying God. In Exodus 9, 16, God says, but I've raised you up for this very purpose that I might show you my power that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Now he's talking there about Pharaoh. However, the fact is, is that God is glorified. We can see in the display of his power. Why? Because without me, you can do nothing. Your, your strength isn't going to glorify me. Well, we've seen the theology of that. Now let's look at the practicality of it. How do I exactly go about uh, leaning on Jesus for everything? Well, I, uh, once you've recognized and accepted the truth that without him, you actually cannot do anything, then first of all, you've got to trust that Jesus wants to give you his power. Psalm 68, 35, the God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. But not only does he want to give you the power, you've you got to believe that he will give you the power if you respond in faith to him. Isaiah 40, verse 29 promises he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And then thirdly, pray and ask God. Give me, show me your wisdom. If any man lacks wisdom, he should ask of God. Enable me to do this thing the way you want me to do it. Paul in Ephesians 3, 16, he said, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through your spirit in your inner being. It, 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 it just never stops, does it? it it's constantly pointing you, to lean on him, not yourself. And then fourthly, you've got to abide in this power. How do you do that? Look at our passage. John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So the antidote to being apart from him is what remaining in him. How, what does that mean? Notice he says in two verses later what that means. If you remain, it's verse 7. If you remain in me, ah, and my words remain in you, 
you shall ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. The power is in the word of God. This, stay in God's word, stay under God's word. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God for the salvation of those who believe it. And then lastly, use all your power to promote God's glory, not yourself. First Chronicles 16, 24, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all the people, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. First Corinthians 10, 31 says, so whether you eat, whether you drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so May in this coming year, we lead on Jesus and in his power, be who God wants us to be and accomplish what God wants us to accomplish, remembering his words, without me, you can do nothing. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and just worship you that you never leave us nor forsake us. And boy, we'd be in trouble if you did, and if you did, we'd have no power, we'd have no wisdom. May we, may we, may this truth sink into our hearts, and may we go to you before we really do anything or really say anything. And we ask this in Jesus' name that we might uh, glorify you, which is why we're here. Amen. Thank you for listening to Dr. Bez. Tune in next week as we continue studying the Word of God. May God bless you.